This morning we'll be taking a look and beginning a series through the book of Galatians. We'll be in Galatians chapter 1 today looking at verses 1 through 5 as we introduce this book. Maybe you have the question, why are we starting in the book of Galatians? Well, I'll give you several reasons. One is that it is an inspired book written by the Apostle Paul, and so it is just as good to go through Galatians as anything, I think. And I've never preached through it here before. So there's a couple of reasons. And another reason, another couple of reasons, one is of all the letters that Paul wrote, this one shows the highest concern for any of the churches that he wrote to. It has no commendations in the beginning, really. No, you're doing a good job. No, your faith is heard of throughout the world. No, he goes straight to the fact that they have abandoned their grasp on the gospel. They don't understand what the gospel is anymore. This is a church. The church in Galatia was about to lose the essence of what the gospel is. Some already had. And so Paul was very perplexed by them. This has some of the strongest wording that the Apostle Paul you will find anywhere in any of his writings. And so I think that it's good for us to go through this book. And also he uses a lot of imagery from the book of Genesis. And I thought since we just finished the book of Genesis, it might help us to sort of connect those dots in how Paul is reading and using the book of Genesis, even as he argues for salvation by grace through faith alone. So the church in Galatia was losing its grasp on the gospel. And my prayer as we go through this is that we will become more joyful students of the scripture, that we will understand the gospel better, and we will understand what the gospel requires of us. <laughs> I think that Paul answers that question for us. So I'll just introduce this by saying to us today that if you ever reach a place in your life, whether it is conscious or unconscious, that you think you have grown beyond the need of God's grace, that you have become good, you have fallen from grace and the gospel. Having begun by the Spirit, will you now be perfected by works? And the reason that this is so pertinent to us now and pertinent always throughout our Christian life is because our natural fallen tendency is to rely on our works. We do not like grace. And the reason we don't like grace is because it makes us ashamed that we need help. I've given this illustration before, and it's true. It continues to be true. I once knew a woman who was a very great nurse and a very horrible patient. I'm not going to look at anybody in here because I know some of you who are horrible patients. And the reason that she was a horrible patient is because she did not enjoy being served. When someone else was helpless, it made her feel good to be able to help them. If they had an injury to their leg, they couldn't get up and walk around. She helped them get from place to place. If they had pain, she enjoyed being able to relieve them of pain. But when she herself was sick, she wouldn't let anybody help her get out of her chair. She wouldn't let anybody help her do the day-to-day -day things because she was embarrassed of that. In fact, some of you may dread old age for those very reasons. You don't want to be a burden to anyone. You don't want anyone to have to carry you. You don't want to have to have anyone wash you. You don't want to have to have anyone to take care of you. You want to do those things yourself. You feel ashamed for someone to have to take you if you should become invalid and care for you. You know why? Because it's embarrassing to be served. And every day God does this for you. And the day you think 
that you are walking on your own, you have fallen from grace. He must carry you. He must wash you. He must clean you. Or you will not be clean. That's what the book of Galatians is about. It's about a church that began in grace and then began to think that it was by their works that they would be perfected. And Paul has some words for them and for us. Should we head in that direction? I'll begin reading in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from man or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a good start. Paul begins this letter with his own credentials. Why do you think he starts that way? Why does he start Paul an apostle? He introduced himself as an apostle. What is an apostle? When you think of an apostle, you probably think of a specific title. There were 12 apostles, and that was their job title. They were apostles like they were teachers. But what does it mean to be an apostle. And why does Paul say not from men or by man, but from Jesus Christ and by God the Father who raised him from the dead? Why does he say that? Well, we've had a couple of thousand years to think about what an apostle is. We understand that there were 12 apostles and that these men were given authority by Jesus in the church to begin the church. They were cornerstones of the church. We know that Jesus Christ himself is the chief apostle and chief cornerstone of the church, but these men laid the foundation for what came after. They had apostolic authority. But in Paul's day, the word apostle in Greek just meant messenger. It was not a particularly powerful thing to be an apostle. In fact, if you had heard the word apostle, what an apostle was was literally just someone sent to be a messenger from someone else. They were delivering mail. They were messengers. You might think in your mind, okay, well, an apostle was like an ambassador. But no, a messenger, an apostle, was less than an ambassador. An apostle had no right or authority to negotiate terms. They did not speak, so to speak, uh, on behalf of the country that they represented. An ambassador has great authority to negotiate treaties, to try to re keep relations, to have peace. But a messenger, all they did was, this is what the person who sent me told me to tell you. And when they did that, their job was over. They were just messengers. And Paul introduces himself. I am Paul, a messenger, not of men, nor by man, but of Jesus Christ. He wants to make sure they know exactly where this message that he's delivering comes from. It was not given to him by men. It was not given to him by man. It was given to him... By God. That is the kind of messenger that he is. Christ's apostles were messengers. Given a message that did not belong to them. Given a message that was not invented by them. Not given to them by another man, but by God himself. And their job as apostles, the thing they were entrusted with, was to deliver this message. And to make sure that this message stayed delivered. And to be clear about what the message was. 
And the message that the Apostle Paul was given was quite important. It was the message of salvation, the means by which, the only means by which men and women could be saved. So if this message got distorted, salvation was distorted. So he had to take care, as well as the other apostles, that the message they were entrusted with was not twisted or changed by men and women who long to justify themselves. They were not to negotiate terms. The Father did not send them to negotiate terms. The Father sent them to deliver the terms. They were not to negotiate. They were sent with a certain message. They were to make certain that everyone understood it. And then their job was done. Paul did not have to consult with Peter and the other messengers or any other man. He was given the gospel directly by Jesus Christ himself. And it was important for Paul to make them understand that his message was not from men or by men because there were others who were coming and trying to usurp the authority, not just of himself, for Paul himself would say, who am I? They were trying to usurp the authority of the message which he delivered. And he, as an apostle, he's saying, I am the one who delivered the message. I know what the message is. Listen to me. The message of these newcomers, or whoever it was in this church that was troubling them, did not come from Christ. It had no authority, and it could not save. And in fact, it would take them away from the true gospel into a place of condemnation, a place of worry, a place of fear, a place not of grace and peace. And so Paul here in the beginning delivers to them the gospel very succinctly. He tells them, that Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, that Christ is risen from the dead. And he proclaims them in verse 3. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. Now this is a church that we're about to find out that he's very upset with, but yet he still commends to them grace and peace. And the gospel is a proclamation of grace and peace. The grace and peace come from God himself. These are the things which he offers to us in the gospel, grace and peace. So ask yourself, do I feel at peace with God? This is Having peace with God is the most momentous thing a person can have. Grace and peace from God. This is a message from the king. And he is extending to you this morning grace and peace. What would you give to have peace? You don't have to give anything except to give up. He offers them grace and peace. And he says that he is grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the gospel. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us. That's the essence of the gospel. God gives himself through Christ to rescue us. Rescue us from what? What do you need rescuing from? No, seriously. What do you need to be rescued from? You might say sins, but when we say sins, we don't think about stuff. A lot. We talk about sin a lot and it doesn't feel like a real thing. It's like sin, yeah, that's something we do. 
We need rescuing from it. I'm talking about you. What do you need rescuing from? What is it that gets at your peace? What makes you worry and fear? God sent you, God sent his son to rescue you from it. What do you need rescuing from? What's your anxiety? What are you afraid of? What keeps you up at night? When you think about God, when you think that Jesus Christ might split open the sky, call his faithful to be with him, what makes you worry when you think of that? Do you look forward to greeting him in the air or do you have reservations that if he were to show, I would be afraid? That's not peace. That's fear. What do you need rescuing from? Grace to you in peace. For God has sent his son to rescue you by giving himself. You need rescuing from this evil age. What does that mean? We need rescuing from what? We need rescuing from our sins. But I don't know what your sins are. And I don't know what is in your heart. I don't know what's made your heart heavy this morning. I don't. I would call it if I could. I know it makes my heart heavy. What makes yours heavy? To be rescued from. What is this evil age? Why is this age evil? Are we, we still in the evil age? <laughs> We're still in the evil age. We will always be in the evil age until Jesus Christ's kingdom is consummated on this earth. It shifts and changes the evil that we do, but it's always there and ever present. It is ever and always destroying lives. It is always after to boost our pride. It is in, in, in insidious ways. This world is not leading you towards Christ. It is leading you away from Christ because it is filled with the devil and his schemes. Constantly pulling at us and attracting us to go toward things that will not give us peace. But will make us at unrest in our soul. The essence of the gospel is that Jesus Christ gave himself, that the Father gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is what Paul says here in Galatians 1, is an echo of John 3.16. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us. If you don't hear anything else today, listen to that. He gave himself to rescue us. Grace to you and peace. Proclaimed from Almighty God to you this morning who have a troubled heart. Even on the eve of his ascension, even on the eve of his crucifixion, he told his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come for you. So that where I am, there you may be also. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Grace to you and peace. And the reason that he has to say this to this church, and the reason he has to say this to us this morning, is because there were people in the Galatian church who were stealing their peace and telling them they weren't rescued unless. You're not rescued unless you're circumcised. You're not rescued unless you follow the law of Moses. You're not rescued unless you do these works. And so all of a sudden, those who once had peace through Christ himself now felt that they may not be rescued 
that they may need to do some things. And if I didn't know about these things, what other things might there be? And if I am rescued, why do I have such anxiety? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. Listen to this. According to the will of our God and Father. According to the will of our God and Father. Christian, grace to you in peace. The Father is not angry with you. Christian, grace and peace to you. The Father is not angry with you. It has been according to His will that His only begotten Son should be the ransom for your salvation. He has sent the Christ, the Son of the living God, to die for you that you may have peace. This is according to the Father's will. It was the Father who said, I will send my Son and give to Him a people, and He will rescue them. And upon them I will shower my grace and peace. This is not just a pontification from afar, but it is meant to hit you in the heart this morning that the grace and peace is for you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He treasures you like an only begotten son, like a favorite daughter. He loves you. And his will is for you to know his grace and peace. He's caring for you this morning. I said you don't like grace. You don't like it when dad, the father, when the father has to care for you, has to wash you, take care of you like you're a baby. The, the infirmities that you dread in your physical life, he carries them every day in your spiritual life. Every day, we get in the mud and the filth of our own sin and selfishness. We are distracted by our foolishness. We are not wise as we should be. We play with our sin. And every day, our loving Father, because we are his precious children, washes us. He takes care of us. And he will do this until you die. You go through and you read the scriptures. The people of the Old Testament. We just got through. Well, hopefully you're reading your Bible. You're reading in the Old Testament. Did you ever read about every single Israelite dying in the desert for 40 years? Did you ever read about that? How did they die? Some of them griped because they didn't have meat. God sent a plague and killed them while they were still chewing the quail which God had given them. They died. Some of them died when they were lured astray by the Midianite women at the council of Balaam and God sent a plague and they died by the thousands. Some of them grumbled against God and serpents, fiery serpents were sent and they bit them and many of them died because of the fiery serpents. It was plague after plague. Horror after horror, disobedience after disobedience, and every single one of those people fell dead in the desert. And you may look at them and think, what dishonorable, sinful people that fell in the deserts. But do you know what I think? I think that some of those who were bitten by fiery serpents because of their sins woke up in glory and into the arms of the everlasting Father. Because you, like they, are going to die a sinner. You are going to die 
still not perfect. And any moment God could take us out for our sins if he wanted, yet every day he lets us live. There are no honorable people with God. None. There's no one righteous. There's not one. And so every day he has to wash us. Every day he has to cleanse us. Every day he has to call us back to himself. Every day he has to remind us through his scripture, through his spirit, through his word, through conviction, through friendships, through all sorts of things that we are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Every single day his mercies are new. Why does the Bible say his mercies are new every morning? It's because we screwed up yesterday. Every day. The proclamation to such sinners is this. Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. Jesus, when he was on the night he was betrayed, washed the feet of his disciples. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Listen to me. He serves us still. He serves us still. This is the gospel. And the reason that this is so important is because we forget. It's not about what we do. It's about what he does. And when we recognize what he is doing, we love him for it. He is faithful and true to the end, even when we are not. He is faithful when we are not faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He sees his son in us and he serves us. God loves sinners. He loves them. He delights in offering them grace and peace through his son, Jesus Christ. It is his delight to offer to us the grace which Jesus earned for us. We didn't earn it, he did. And that is why he ends in the introduction of this letter right here. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to think about this. The purpose of the gospel, the end, the chief end, the reason for the gospel is to glorify God. The chief end of the gospel is not to save sinners. Saving sinners is a means to the end. The end, the purpose, is for God to receive glory. Now think about that. You are a means to the end. The end is to glorify God. Why is it important to remember that the purpose of the gospel is to bring glory to God? Because then we'll understand how the gospel works. The gospel is not to bring glory to us. We cannot glorify ourselves through our own salvation. There is nothing we can do. We cannot do any works of goodness to earn God's merit. We will not stand before the throne of God and say, God, what Jesus did is great, but if I hadn't believed in you, I wouldn't be saved. God will say, even the reason you believe is because I showed you my son. You did not conjure faith from thin air by reason or intellect. It is not by the will of man nor by blood, but by the will of God Almighty. The reason that you even believe or feel convicted of sin is because God, through the power of his Holy Spirit and the sweetness of the gospel, showed you who you are and showed you who Jesus is. And when we see Jesus, we believe not because we're so smart, Not because we figured something out, but because he's shown us. Look and live. That's the gospel. It won't be because, Lord, what you did was great, but I believed and these other people didn't believe and that's why they're not saved. The reason you believe 
is because you were dead in trespasses and sin, and I made you alive through my son, Jesus Christ. You will not brag about your belief that you did so good to believe. I will not brag about it. My faith is precarious. It is so sad. If Jesus, the Spirit of God, were to abandon me for five seconds, I'd fall into apostasy like that. My heart is deceitfully wicked. And so when I stand before the throne of God, an undeserving sinner, given the riches of glory, there will only be one person who deserves the praise, thanks, and glory for that. And it is Jesus. It will not be thought in my deepest imagination it's because of me that I am here. It will be, why am I here? He has brought me here, carried us here. We are here because he wants us here. That's why. Any gospel that brings glory to mankind is no gospel at all. Legalism gives glory to men. Decisionism gives glory to men. What do I mean by decisionism? I accepted Jesus and so I am saved. That's backwards, folks. Jesus accepted me, so I am saved. It's not because I accepted Jesus. Oh, I do. I accept Jesus. But the reason I love him is because he first loved me. He is always the actor. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He started it. He finishes it. And that's why we can be secure in our faith, isn't it? Because my faith did not come from me. It came from God. And it won't be kept because of me. It will be because of God. I am certain that he who began a good work in you, he who began the good work in you, is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Author and finisher, completer the one who deserves our thanks and glory. We do not rescue ourselves by good works. We do not rescue ourselves by law. We do not rescue ourselves by our own decisions. We are rescued by God and by God alone. We are kept by God and by God alone because he loves us as beloved children and he will never let us go. Salvation is by grace from God, not by reading the law, not by keeping the law, not by being a good, quiet time person. You can be the most miserable sinner on the face of the earth and God will save you and he'll have nothing to do with you. That is good news. And this is why all glory and praise and thanks goes naturally only to God. There will be in the great day of judgment Billions, billions of people before the throne of God and not a single one of them should be there. Not a single one has deserved to be there. Not a single one has kept God's law. Every single one of them died still being sinners. Every last one of them. And every one of them would be thinking the same thing. It is only because of the grace and glory and compassion and long-suffering of Jesus that I get to be here 
in this great assembly of the redeemed. It is his gospel. It is his glory. And that is the message that Paul and the apostles were tasked to pass on. People in Galatia began to mess with it. People through time have messed with it. You know what? You have to. That's why we have preaching. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we have church. Because if you get out of here and you get out of this, you'll start messing with the gospel. You will. That's what we do. The good news is that Jesus Christ came to rescue sinful, dead, helpless people who reject Him every day in, their, in many different ways. And to those people, He says every day, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is faithful and He is good. So as we read through this great letter... What we are going to see is how people began to distort the gospel, and it's not different from how we do it now. It looks like good, but it ends with rot when we begin to tweak this gospel of free salvation that comes from God and brings Him glory. And this morning, there may be some of you here today, even Christians. I'm not just talking about people who've never known Christ. And you have a troubled heart. You have a troubled heart. And maybe you don't feel particularly loved by God, or maybe you don't feel peace with God. He gives it to you today. He offers it to you today. And it may be that we don't have peace because we've forgotten about His faithfulness. We think that He's not with us. We don't believe his word that he's with us or maybe even our own sin has clouded our vision from the beautiful true story that the Son of God died for you and rose from the dead that you might live. This is your salvation. The crucifixion of the Son of God and the resurrection of Jesus. There is nothing else to save you. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, I'm going away. And you can't follow me now, but one day you will follow me. Thomas said, Lord, <laughs> we don't know where you're going. How can we follow you there? What did Jesus say? Thomas, I am the way. I am the way. Follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Where are we going? We're going to the Father's house. He has many rooms in it. It's a big old apartment complex we all better get used to and love one another. We're all living in the same house. The Lord is the boss of the homeowners association. He has invited all of his children to live there. That's where we're going how do you get there? Jesus is the way. There is no other way. Trust him this morning. Believe him 
that no matter what has occurred in your life, he still loves you with an everlasting love and he has no plans for your harm but for your glory and your good. Trust him. Grace to you and peace. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning.